Welcome to the Blackburn Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Audrey Blackburn, and during this time, I'm going to share with you all the things that I wish I'd been told when I started a business. I'm the owner of Blackburn Consulting Accounting and Tax. There are so many things that I wish I knew when I started a business six years ago, and I want to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes I do. And along the way, I'm going to share all my lessons I've learned, all the joys, all the struggles, just pretty much everything what goes into being a boss. Thanks for joining us. One of the things that I learned early on in business was setting goals and having dreams for my business. And that really, really had a magnifying glass put on it during the past 21 months since I've leased this office space. So, you know, if I hadn't had the dream about where I wanted the business to be, I would have never arrived at the point where I leased office space. If I hadn't started out with a dream of what I wanted this business to be, I wouldn't be where I am today because I would have just stayed, you know, kind of stuck. The thing that I see when I work with clients that is most um, disabling to them that, that stay, you know, makes them stay stuck in their business is they don't dream about what could be. They focus too much on the how. How am I going to make this happen? How am I going to get the money? Where am I going to get the staff? Where am I going to get the resources? I'm not, you know, a great speaker. I'm not a great advertiser. I'm not this. I'm not that. It doesn't matter. I can fully and completely tell you that it does not matter the how so much as what it is that you want, that you can visualize it and then take that dream, not just dream it, because so many people have dreams and then they do nothing with them. You have to be one willing to step out, willing to take that risk, willing to be scared and do it anyway. You know, it sounds cliche because we hear it all the time. Oh, do it anyway. Do it scared. But you do have to do it scared. I didn't wait to become comfortable with the amount of money I was paying in rent to actually rent the place. I could have went the safe route and leased an office space for just me and a small reception area. I could have done that. Would have been nothing wrong with doing that. But that is not what felt right to me. That was not what was in alignment with my soul. And a lot of that had to do with what my dream was for this business. You see, when I started this business, now it's been, gosh, in May, which is another month, it's going to be seven years I've been in business. So when I started this business seven years ago, Someone asked me when I was first networking, so I'm sure you guys have heard me tell, and if you haven't, I'll give you a recap. When I first started my business, I spent the first six months doing nothing but networking 40 hours a week. Like if there was a networking event, I went to it. I was there, I was pushing my business, but not so much pushing my business as I was just simply getting to know people, learning from other people. You know, listening is a huge skill one that we take for granted. You know, we do have two ears for a reason. So 
I would sit and listen to these people at these networking events. I would listen to what they liked and disliked. I would listen to what excited them. I would listen to what their business did. I would learn from successful people. And then I took that and quickly flipped it and put it in a place in my business. And by listening, people like you because you listen and you want to get to know them. That's all we want as human beings. We want others to listen to us, to genuinely and authentically listening to us and be interested in what we're saying. And I did that. And because I did that, I got to know a lot of people really quickly. And I got to know a lot about their businesses. But I was in a networking group and I, I was very early on. I want to say the first three months I was in business. And I mean, I struggled a lot when I first started out. I struggled with public speaking. I struggled with my elevator pitch. You know, that little 60 second spiel where you got to tell, what do you do in business and why? And why do I want to know you? Um, I struggled with all that stuff because this was new to me. Very new. I'd never done anything like this. And public speaking and speaking in front of others did not come naturally to me. I would stumble over my words more than anything. I would talk too much and I would kind of hyperventilate, right? <laughs> and I remember my first 10 minute presentation before a networking group. I had so much information and I ran through it so fast. I felt like I was out of breath at the end. And I know it was probably uncomfortable for those in the room because they were like, oh my gosh. Because you could visibly tell how anxious and nervous I was. But now I can stand up and do a 10-minute presentation off the cuff. I don't even need to prepare for it. I can stand up and talk for 10 minutes about my business and what I do and why I do it. And why you would want to work with me and what types of people that, you know, come to work with me. I can do all that because I've done it so much. You know, that whole practice does make not perfect, but practice makes good, right? Nothing's ever perfect. And so I, you know, in doing all of that and learning so much from other people and, and really getting out there, I learned from other people that you had to set goals and you had to dream for your business. So here I am, you know, like three months in and I'm sitting in front of a guy. We're having a one-to-one, -one, which is where you sit down with another business owner and you get to know them. And I'm sitting there doing that one-to-one -one and he, he was very thoughtful and he was a, a trainer. And he said to me, Audrey, what do you see for your business in the next five years? Well, no one had ever asked me that. But it rolled right off my tongue without even thinking. And when I said it, I thought, ooh, that is what I want for my business. So apparently my subconscious had been thinking it. So what I said to him is, I want a business that in five years, I have the one-stop shop for the business owner. If you need help with HR, if you need help with your taxes, if you need help with your accounting, your payroll, um, coaching as a business, you know, business consulting, whatever it is, we got you. And, um, and I also threw in their IT and some other things. Now, I'm not there. And as I told him, I have no intention of, of offering all those things myself. Because I do not want to be the person who is so spread out and spread so thin that 
you know, I'm not really good at anything. No, I, I know where my expertise lies and I know the things I'm good at and that's what I want to focus on. What my vision is for this business and has always been is that I would bring others into the fold that would work with me or collaborators that I could send business to, right? So they may not even work with me. They may have their own business, but they would be such a close partner in my business and I would trust them enough that I would gladly send them clients because, you know, they were a great fit, you know, and that, that client had that need, whether it be a bank or an IT person or HR or whatever. And that's why I got involved in the beginning in B&I because I was like, oh man, there's already a networking group where that's what people do. They get to know each other, trust each other, and then they refer business to each other. Now, for me, B&I was a great starting point, but there's a lot of flaws in that whole model. And I learned along the way that uh, there's a lot of people that you run into, whether it be in B&I or any other type of networking and business in general, you are not going to trust everybody that you run into, nor should you. There are a lot of shady people. There are a lot of people with their own agendas and those agendas are not good. And there are a lot of amazing people who are pure, good people who really want the best for others, who are non-competitive. It takes all kinds in business and, and there's all kinds out there. And that's a whole nother episode for another day. We're learning how to decipher <laughs> and discern people because there are all types. And so that was what I wanted for my business. And so I, I, you know, told him that. And he said, wow, that's just really, that's really a lofty goal. And I said, yeah, it is. And I may not hit it in five years, but I will eventually. And he said, I really believe that you will. Because he said, you believe it and you want it. And you will make it happen. Like you said, it may not be in five years. Because he said, five years, that's an awful lot to do in five years. And I was like, yeah, it is. Because remember, at this time, I had just started out. It was just me. I was working out of my house. I hardly, I think I had maybe, I, well, actually, I had one client at that point. Three months in, I had one client. So, yeah, it was a very lofty goal. Now, since then, I have set lots of goals for my business. Most of which I've obtained. Some of them, I've gotten three quarters of the way there, but I'm not there yet. But I don't beat myself up. And that's key in this. Don't beat yourself up for where you are. And don't sit there and compare where you are with where somebody else is. You know, I do this podcast and I talk to business owners and I tell them the details that I tell them about my business because I want to inspire them and encourage them, not because I want them to compare, not because I'm bragging about, oh, I did this or I did that. No, there has been a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went with all this. And there's been a lot of heartache and there's been a lot of doubting myself. There's been a lot of beating myself up. I don't want that for other people. So that's why I share things. And that's, I, I want people to know what's possible. Because if little Audrey Blackburn can do it, you can do it too. You know, be, if I can do this and I can be successful at XYZ, whatever I'm doing, you can too. 
It's not about bragging. It's about, hey, you can do this. Because I was once there where I thought, you know, I can't do this. The one that used to be the big goal in the beginning was when I hit six figures in revenue. And I remember thinking, wow, when I hit six figures in revenue, it's going to be a game changer. And it was and it wasn't. Because I've hit six figures in revenue many years and multiple six figures. And guess what? It is a game changer and it's not a game changer. The first time you hit it, it's a game changer because you're so excited. You're like, oh my gosh, I finally did it. Then you realize, oh, that ain't enough. That is nowhere near enough money. Now, for some people, you may say, yeah, it is. When I worked at home by myself, just me hitting six figures was awesome because I had one employee, which was myself. You know, I did all the work. I had very little overhead. So I had a profitable business. I didn't have to worry about all that stuff. What I did have to worry about is what if something happened to me? Who's going to do the work? Because it was just me. Um, how is this business going to grow? I had to worry about that because there's only so many hours in a day. And I was it. So that's what I mean by that may not be enough for you. And it may. If you are the person who said, I just wanted to do this job to make enough profit to pay myself so that I feel like I earn money and my husband's not keeping me up, you know, or my I'm I'm contributing to my household or I can pay my daycare bill and my my, you know, spending money. There is nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But not everybody can do that. And not everybody wants to do that. There's a lot of people, their, their jobs are riding on if they can make bank, if they can make revenue. Because, or, or it might be like me, where when I started out my business, I was blessed enough that my husband worked a really great job and he worked a lot of hours. So I was blessed that he was the provider of our household. He paid the bills. My money was extra, which was great. It was needed. My money was needed for the household. So don't get me wrong. It wasn't that I didn't have to work. I did have to work, but I didn't have to make like some big salary to make sure that our needs were met and even our wants. Um, but now things are different. Seven years in, my husband started his own business three years ago. Guess what, folks? I'm the breadwinner now. I'm the one that makes more money. Our roles reversed. I used to cook all the meals, take care of the kids, work a full-time job, do the yard work, do this, do that, because my husband worked 12 hours all night. And that is a grueling schedule. Well, my husband doesn't work in manufacturing anymore. He works for himself. He works during the daytime. But he also picks up our daughter from school. He cooks all of our meals. He does all the errands. He does all the grocery shopping. All those things that everybody goes, man, I wish my husband would do that. Yeah, mine does. But in return, I had to take on the stress of being the breadwinner of the family. And some months, I am the sole breadwinner of the family, meaning he didn't have hardly anything come in or what he makes, he turns around and puts back in the business, right? We all have been there where we're starting a business. Those first few years, you struggle. You struggle making ends meet. You struggle 
every bit of money you make, you got to put back in the business. You got to do this. You got to do that. Um, their expenses, their things you need to buy. You don't make a whole lot of money. And that's just reality. And so that's part of the reason I work with the people I do. I don't want to see them doing that. I don't want to see people going to work every day, pouring all the money into the business. Why are you doing it? I, I get that it's your baby. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, that baby's got to grow up. That baby's got to start funding itself, right? That baby's got to turn into an adult that pays you. That's how I see business. That it's okay to be in the infant stages. It's okay not to make any money. It's okay not to have a lot of profit. But there's got to be a turning point. Otherwise, and the IRS says this, if it's not making a profit, it's a hobby. That side gig, if it's not making a profit, they can disallow those expenses. Meaning, you're not going to get to take those expenses off. Their general rule is that you need to make uh, a profit. Right? Doesn't mean every year you got to make a profit. But you better be making a profit. Otherwise, at some point, they're going to go, eh, yeah. And this past year, they've stepped it up and even listed certain professions that they feel like are not really a business in general, not to say they can't be. They mentioned things like Tupperware, Mary Kay, Plexus, things like that. Uh, them hit home. I, my Mary Kay lady, frankly, she hustles. She works herself and she's got an office manager. She makes her calls. She works it like a business and she makes a profit. But there are a lot of people that are just in it Oh, I'll get in it and I'll do a little little bit so I can sell stuff so I can get my makeup at a discount or I can get, you know, free product. That's what the IRS is going after there. And no, nah, you ain't a business. That's a hobby. That's a side hobby. If you ain't making money, you a hobby. So the big ones I always focus on first. And now don't get me wrong. Goals in your business can be anything. They do not have to be financial. Your goal and this is mine lately, take more time off. Well, what does that entail? Anything that we set for a goal, we got to back into it how we're going to take action steps. Otherwise, it's just going to sit there. So yeah, it sounds all good that I want to take more time off. But I know as a business owner, that is a very difficult thing for me to do. Not only is it difficult for me to take time off, it's difficult for me to take time off and not be bothered by emails and phone calls when I'm off. That's just the reality of it because I've got clients that need things when I'm not in the office, but I've also been so available for clients over the years that they've learned that mm, Audrey may not be in the office, but if I send her an email, she'll respond. Well, I've got to retrain those people. I've got to get to where I stop and that's part me. I got to stop answering emails. If I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation. Put it in the vacation uh, uh, reply that, hey, I'm not answering emails. I'm not checking emails. Call my office. And that's what I tell them. Call my office. If you have an emergency, call my office. Well, most accountants will tell you in accounting, there is no true emergency. The only emergency I know of is, oh my gosh, today's payroll and the payroll checks didn't come out. Well, guess what? That ain't an emergency either because you can pay them people with checks. 
you don't if the direct deposits didn't go in yeah we can find out what's going on but there there's ways around that there's ways to fix that um so what is an emergency right that's one thing i need to define what constitutes an emergency what kind of contact am i going to have when i'm on vacation or i'm off work a lot of people don't think about when you're a business owner yeah it may be just them in their head they think that's contacting you but the truth of the matter is i've been off now for exactly a day and a half and i've had close to 38 emails of i know you're off but and i've had seven phone calls from my staff for people that have called and wanted the message to be passed along to me now of all of those none of them required a response from me none these were all people who are just so used to getting in touch with me that they cannot fathom that i am not at work where they can talk to me that's my doing and that's something i have to fix so how do i start fixing that well i simply in most cases told my staff either to write the message down and i'd call them when i got back or call this person back and tell them xyz and that's how i handled it and for those that were emailing they got an auto reply that said i'm out of the office so the best thing i can do is not reply at all because they already know where I'm at. It already tells them to call an office if I call the office if it's urgent. So why would I respond? Because if I respond, I'm teaching them that I'm available, even though I say I'm not. Right? I mean, raise your hand if you've done that, because I do it all the time. It's my worst uh, character flaw is that I make myself too available to people. We live in an age where people think that because of email on the phone and voicemail and text, oh Lord forbid, I hate a text message. If you are a client of mine and you text me, it I don't care if I'm working or not, it makes my skin crawl. Because text messages, to me, convey urgency. And there is no reason that an accountant should be getting a text message. You know why? Because we deal with confidential information. If you send me a text message and it's got confidential information, you have just opened yourself up to identity theft and all kinds of things. Same way with sending me an email with financial information or employee social security numbers or anything like that. And if you think that does not happen, it happens every single week i get people sending me social security numbers checking account numbers all kinds of things through email and text those are not safe mediums people to be sending that stuff so don't do it don't send it to your banker that way don't send it to the irs don't send it to whoever why do you think the irs doesn't do emails they don't want that kind of information going about through email now i could get off on their lack of technology but anyway so it it's that whatever that goal is if it's time off write down what you've got to do what you've got to change to make that happen right and a lot of times there's a lot of baby steps and there's a lot of action steps that are going to get to it a goal typically is not going to get resolved in one step if it's a financial goal which frequently have been mine because let's face it money moves the world and it does in our businesses too. Cash flow, they say, is king. I believe cash flow is queen because 
queens trump kings in my book so <laughs> we have to have money so i find if i don't set a money goal then i won't do that great that quarter that month whatever the period of time it is it won't be that phenomenal every time i have set a goal and i always set some crazy ass goals i'm telling you like I tell my husband my goals and he just laughs at me because he's like, I know that sounds crazier than hell, but I also know you'll make it happen. And he said, and that blows my mind. And I said, yeah, it blows my mind too because half the time I don't know how I did it. Again, we go back to that how. The how doesn't matter. It does and it doesn't. I mean, the how is the action steps. But we don't have to know the how to set the goal. So... I set a goal uh, two or three years ago that was more than double my income at the time, my revenue for the business. And I really did not think it would happen that first year. And guess what? It didn't. And um, I don't know if that was because my non-belief or if I just was realistic and knew that wasn't going to happen. But I set it anyway and I worked towards it. And guess what? That was the highest revenue that year that I'd had the whole time I've been in business. So the next year, I set the same goal again. And you know what? That time, I almost made it. And I was shocked. And I was like, I don't know how I did this. I mean, I know I worked myself to death. But I was like, wow. So year three, I set it again. Except this time, I raised it. And you're thinking, well, why would you raise it when you hadn't even met it before? Well, I almost did. And I don't like to smash a goal. I want to be pleasantly surprised that I smashed a goal. So it's got to be big enough that it scares me. So I did. I said it. And that was last year. And when the end of the year came, I quickly, you know, did my little totals. And I didn't account for all my income, and I'd already smashed the goal. And then when I finally did my final tally of my books for the year, I was like, wow, wow, yes, yes, you crushed it. And so that was phenomenal. And I was busy working all year, so I didn't really focus on that total for the year. I was more focused on what's this month look like? What's this week look like? What, what's the quarter look like? I was breaking it down into small goals. Because we all got busy seasons and we all got slow seasons. And it's a lot about consistency and averages, right? What's your average income for the month? Every month's not going to look the same. I, I don't know too many businesses out there that every month looks the same. Well, a lot of us have big highs and big lows. And so... For me, I just focused on the end goal. This is what I want to do. What do I got to do to get there? How many clients do I need to see of those clients? How much do they need to be spending on average? What's an average client look like for me? What's an expensive client look for me? What's a cheap client look like for me? You, those are the things that go into making up that revenue goal. How many hours do my staff work? How many hours do I work? How many hours do I want to work? Right? And you have to figure all that stuff up to get to those goals. But if you don't set goals 
And whether it be revenue or whatever, you'll never have it happen. It'll be rare that you'll achieve that goal because you didn't set it. So your brain said, well, it must not be important. We ain't going to make it happen. So I always set goals, whether or not I achieve them, I set them. And I'm always happy that I made progress on that goal. You know, it took me almost five years to move into an office. I didn't feel bad about that. To me, it was exactly in the timing it was supposed to have been in. Because for that first five years, it was such a blessing to be in this house. To be here where I felt I was needed. To be home where so many years of my life I had spent away from my house in somebody else's business working for them doing what they wanted me to do working 60 70 sometimes 80 hours a week and so I got to work by my pool I got to work in my home office and not be bothered by anybody. I got to get up and go fix my lunch in the kitchen down the hall or put a load of laundry in or go take a break and, and play outside with my daughter. I got to do all that for five years. And now I can still do that anytime I want to. I just have to leave work and go home and do it. <laughs> I, I just work right down the road. So it's not like it's impossible. I just have to be a little bit more intentional about it. Whatever your goals are, set them, but don't just set them and forget them. Take action. Write down the steps. What do you need to do? If there's something that's missing in your business that's going to help you achieve that, write it down. You may have no clue how you're going to get there. Write it down. If there's something that's stopping you, let's say you want to be a public speaker, but you're terrified of getting up in front of people, write that down. How am I going to stand in front of other people and speak? Well, there's action steps that go into that. There's working with others. I worked with a speaking coach a couple of years ago. He was fabulous. He taught me so much about telling a story, standing up in front of others and telling a story, which that's really what people want. They want to hear a story. They don't want to hear boring facts and figures right? They want to hear a story. I want to hear a story when I'm sitting and listening to somebody. I don't want to hear a bunch of crap that's boring. Otherwise, I check out. What is it that you've got to do to make that goal happen? Write it down. Write down the steps. And then the last thing is start. Simply start. Do one thing. Just one thing on that list. And when that's done, do another thing. It doesn't matter if it takes you a week or a month, or a year, or five years. It doesn't matter. It's the progress. It's the baby steps. Keep going today. You've got this. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to the Blackburn Boss Podcast. If you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, that would be so helpful. Leaving reviews on iTunes actually boosts the podcast and has it shown to more people and puts it in the rotation of iTunes so that it gets out there and we get known and we get more listeners. So if you could go do that today, that would be amazing. If you want to check us out further, you can follow us on the web at www.blackburnconsultingnc.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Blackburn Boss. 
Have a great day.